See if we make it more than 15 seconds. That's what she said. Oh, she wishes it would end quicker than 15. 13, 14, 15. Ooh. Hey, where are we going still? Wow. Ooh, all right. What a moment. I mean, if it keeps up, we're good. If it doesn't, uh, eh, I'll use a computer. Sounds good. Okay. Welcome to yeah. MMA and stuff on halfguarded.com. My name is Matt. That is Michael Coughlin Esquire. Uh, this week, we're going to bring you all the news and MMA and stuff on all uh, your listening platforms. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. You can find us anywhere. Just look for MMA and stuff. Uh, let's start with uh, a little UFC 228 review. What do you think, Mr. Coughlin? I've been looking forward to it. Interesting. You don't have much going on in life. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> this show is entitled Woodley versus Till and took place on September 8th at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Attendance was 14,073. One of them was Derek Lewis in a very nice shirt. And the total gate was 1.7 million. So a good showing uh, at the box office in Dallas there. In the main event, Tyron Woodley defeated Darren Till with a Darce choke at 419 of the second round. This is probably one of the most impressive performances of Woodley's career, I would say. Um, Till was the much bigger guy in there. He had looked like four or five inches on Woodley and probably 15 pounds anyway. And Woodley what kind of overpowered him, got him up against the cage in the first, kind of worked the clench a little bit. I think through the whole fight, Till landed two significant strikes. In the second, Woodley rocked him, got it to the ground, and uh, landed a bunch of vicious elbows, just destroyed Till, and was able to get the Dars, and it made it look very, very easy in this one. I mean, you could call this his most impressive win. I'm personally, I uh, I, I like the Carlos Condit win. I think that was a, a better Condit victory. Blew, I see. A, Condit or, or maybe, or, or maybe the uh, the Kelvin Gastelum win. That was uh, also a very good one for him. Okay. Maybe uh, Jordan Mean back in the day. That was okay. Uh, so you're you're being facetious here. Uh, almost always. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, look, Robbie Lawler was his best win, obviously by far. Right. Um, it was a but, quick knockout. Uh, yep. This is the first time he's looked good since then. And I would say that, uh, yeah, this fight and the Lawler fight are the only two fights he's had in four, the past four years from what I'm looking at here that have been entertaining and interesting at all. But hey, <laughs> it's true. I mean, the, the Dong uh, Hyun Kim was his last one. A couple of Gaslam fights sucked. Stephen Thompson sucked. Stephen Thompson sucked. Damian Maya sucked. So, but this was good. Um, I hope that it's a real win for him, I guess, and that. Look, if if Till is real, then this is incredibly impressive for for uh, Woodley. If Till is just you know a guy that right time right place, and we're all going to look back at it one day, and it's gonna it's gonna kind of be like uh, when people look at Matt Hughes and they're like he fuck Gil Mesh, what what the hell, what what the hell is going on, really? 
what, what is this shit? So, you know, every once in a while you get a few loser uh, title defenses in there, but uh, couldn't do any better than this. This fucking amazing victory. Every In every way you could basically win a fight and be looking good, Woodley looked good here. Uh, and then he said he wants to move up to 185 or something like that because nobody fights in their weight class anymore. Uh, they want to create more weight classes, and these fuckers are jumping weight classes all the time as is. Yeah. After the fight, um, Woodley didn't really call anybody out. He got um, his black belt. He did get his black belt, yep, from Dean Thomas. And, and you could see him be genuinely moved by that. Yeah. Like, There's a meme going around, like, his face when he gets the title put on him, face when he gets a black belt. And that black belt, you could just tell, like, that was, like, a thing where he's like, wow, this is a big deal, as opposed to uh, winning your cage fight. Um, he said afterwards, Woodley, that he would be a company man and fight basically whoever the UFC puts in front of him next, which presumably is going to be like Kobe Tyrone, Covington, That right? sounds like Tyrone Woodley to me. I mean, he, he's known to be a company man. It doesn't cause any problems at all, and he's always willing to take a fight. Definitely yeah, it sounded unusual. That's why yeah. I. That's why I brought it up. But, it's got to um, be Colby. It's got to be Colby. Oh my god! I think. Yeah. Unless, unless, unless there's the something biggest... with GSP brewing that we don't know about. That's basically it. And otherwise, like, if you're Woodley, fucking a man, like, don't. If he doesn't want to fight Colby Covington, that he's either afraid or he's a fucking moron. That's the only options with this guy. Or he's or, re- really stupid, I guess. Right. Or he legit thinks Colby Covington's a dick and doesn't want to validate him and giving him a title shot for being a douchebag the last two years. Um, which, like, we know it's a gimmick, but I, I don't know. Well, even I, if you don't think it's a gimmick, I mean, Colby's probably the number one con- – he is the number one contender just by wins. Right. You know, I mean, the dude really – look, he did what Chael did. He stepped up and he talked a lot of shit. And when it actually came time, he actually he, – he made it work. Got to give Colby that credit there. And then he put that belt on Donald Trump's fucking desk. And then Snoop Dogg didn't know what was going on. A lot of controversy after the show. Um, In the cage after Woodley won, uh, Dana White looked not pleased. And then he just took off right after the show. I don't really know if that was because Dana's worth half a billion dollars and has other things to do. Or if he really dislikes Tyron Woodley that much and didn't stick around for the presser or give him any accolades. Like he didn't even do that like three minute interview he does backstage with Megan O'Leary. He was just gone, ghosted. Um, and a lot of people were saying it was because he hates Tyron Woodley so much. Maybe, but I mean, Dana usually after shows like this is always in a good mood. Like yeah. this is the kind of show where Dana just goes and goes, fuck, I told you people. This is the kind of, Dana loves these, these post-fight uh, press conferences because he can get there in front of everybody. He goes, I told everybody, everybody says, and he'll just run down the list. Iola, you said this show was going to suck. Melton, you said this show was going to suck. All you people said this show was going to suck. And look at it, it was fucking awesome. Dana loves that moment. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess that this kid is sick from that, uh, that, partying too much. That sounds better. And... um there's also talk about where this leaves Woodley all time is a welterweight. <laughs> I think people are way ahead of themselves there. Yeah. Some people are ranking him as the second best welterweight no. ever. No, uh, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Behind only GSP. Um, he's defended the belt now four times. One was a draw Three against times. Stephen Thompson. Right. He defended it, though. I'm not saying he won. I don't know if that counts as defense. <laughs> it was defended. He didn't lose it. 
I agree, actually. I do think a draw counts, but he still had to fight him again. So. Right. So uh, four title defenses at this point to GSP's nine. Um, obviously, Matt Hughes would probably be ahead in that conversation. And then, I mean, after that, I, I don't know what guys you're talking. If you're talking, you know, you're There's Jake only like Shields. three other champions. No, but I'm, I'm talking like, but where, where is Woodley the third best ever? The third best welterweight ever, or would you rank like a Jake Shields, Carlos Condit, Johnny Hendricks sort of guy ahead of him, or has he uh, eclipsed them at this point? I, I, put Lawler, I put Lawler ahead of him. Okay, just because Lawler's done it for a long time, multiple weight classes, won the title, defended it. Like Lawler had a really good run. He had a really good run as champion after having proved himself for a decade. Whereas like Tyron Woodley. It's three. He's beaten three people, three title defenses, which is no, not bad or anything. I'm not saying like he's not number four or five like that, but it's also welterweight. We've only really had two champions in that fucking division's history. Mm-hmm. Like Woodley's kind of the third. You could probably go with Lawler, I guess, because he did defend it a little bit. But it's just those guys. Like it's been so long that since we've had anybody but GSP. You know, it's kind of like it. It's like at middleweight, like. There's just aren't well, okay. There's actually a lot of champions now, but uh, that's a for a different story. The interim thing. Yes, there, there's never too but, many. Of those. But Whitley is not the number three of all time. No, uh, okay. I, I will say that any uh, any any number of white men are much better, and I know that's what they're going to go with. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I didn't mention that at the top, but the show is really, really awesome. Um, just a lot of great finishes throughout the card and um, some old old timers won some fights, which we'll get to. But a, every fight on the show had either some good action or storyline, except the Dodson fight. So uh, in the co-main, well, we actually lost the co-main. We shouldn't talk about that. Nico Montagna. Uh, was pulled from her title defense against um, Shevchenko there. Uh, Apparently she was having weight cutting issues. There were problems with her liver. Uh, She was taken to the hospital and the fight was canceled. Uh, Then later in the day, Dana White announced that Montano was being stripped of the title and that Shevchenko will fight for the vacant belt as soon as she's able. Does anybody care at all? I mean, this, this at least with the featherweight division, you could claim they took the title away from their only champion because she was too afraid to fight someone else. But this is like so stupid. I mean, it doesn't matter. Talk about like the alt. This is Vince Russo life. We're gonna have a tournament. Somebody's gonna win the tournament. Then they're gonna lose the belt in a sauna, and then somebody else is gonna get the belt. Like what the fuck? Like she lost the belt in a sauna. This is so stupid. Uh, I don't know what the weight cut deal is. Like, there's a lot of this going around the past couple of years here. I know the early weigh-ins doesn't help, but like, I, I kind of wonder because this stuff was, it always seems to be like UFC officials saw something and they stopped it. They put her to a doctor. I'm wondering if like people were dying like this throughout the entire history of the sport. It's just that uh, nobody's watching them. So, you know, yeah, all these fucking probably. poor bastards that were just like probably going to the hospital secretly all the time and then cage fighting. And now we're just not letting them do that. And then we all pretend like they're super unprofessional. Whereas they're not really. They're doing exactly what somebody did before. It's just that before we allowed people to almost die. Well, you would think they'd be better at it now with 20 years of practice too. You, you would think there'd be a, a better way and people would be more aware <laughs> of, you know, how much weight to gain outside of camp and whatnot. But uh, Montano claimed she didn't really even want to take this fight in September because she had been injured. She, whatever. I don't even know what her problems were, but she had a bunch of medical issues. 
So she wanted to fight in October or November. Then she claimed she was threatened that they were going to strip her of the title if she didn't fight in September. So she took the fight, then missed weight because it was too soon and got stripped of the title anyway. First of all, if when you miss weight and you only miss weight by like a pound or whatever it is, yes. fuck you. You don't get to blame like I I had short notice. Like if you'd had like an extra three weeks, you'd have lost that one pound. Right. That was the big difference. Um, yes, you probably were threatened to have your title taken away. That's what happens if you don't defend it. Right. Um, on the other hand, I don't blame her. I, I can't imagine the phone call where they say, if you don't defend your title, we're going to take it from you. And you don't just reply with, why don't you just create another interim champion? Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Why does she not get the – I mean, I know why, but I mean, we all know why. And let's face it. That's what this all comes down to. A division that nobody even knows exists, featuring fighters that nobody knows, lost a champion that nobody knew on a show that no one watched. Like, this is a tree falling on a wood stuff here, people. Yeah, it's just interesting because if it was somebody who was a draw or that the UFC liked, they probably wouldn't have stripped them. You know what of I mean? Not. Like, well, like, Connor it, got stripped. Yeah, after how long though? You're talking well over a year. Actually, right? Connor never really got stripped. They not just stopped... the lightweight. They stripped him of the featherweight yeah, for sure, but yeah. never, never really the lightweight officially. But yeah. um, I don't know. It's like if she's I mean, gonna it, be, if she's gonna mean? be okay in a month, like why, why strip her? It just seemed kind of petty. Like Dana was pissed and just like take the belt off her. But now the question is, who's Shevchenko going to fight? There's nobody really in that flyweight division anyway. And those two clearly don't like each other. They've been going back and forth. Um, so there's there, and it would likely be a showcase win for Shevchenko. Now it's like, what are you going to do? Move up, Joanna or something? It's Probably. like, but. Is she going to want to do it? How many months away is that? I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It seemed kind of petty and silly. But... It's, it's, it's also irrelevant because True. like setting aside the fact that nobody gives a shit, but yeah. also like, what if you, you could easily just Nico Montano's next fight could be for a title still, you know? True. And like, if you're, if you win a title in one fight and then your next fight, you win the fight, and then you're also champion, do you really get stripped? Like, not like they come to your house, they take the physical belt from you, and you never get to say it or anything. Like, they stripped you of the title. Uh, whatever. Are you going to fight for five rounds on a shit show no one watches next time? Probably. Like, I mean, I know that it sucks. You're the champion, but you're like a 20-some-odd-year-old girl fighting at 125 pounds in a division that existed for television. I don't give a what, shit. What do you think? I'm guessing I already know your answer. What do you think of her learning about it on Instagram as opposed to being contacted by someone from the UFC? She was never even told she was being stripped of the title. She heard about it on Instagram. Yeah, all places. This, this stuff happens. You know, it, it, it does. <laughs> like, I know like it's, it's happened enough now in the world that like it used to be kind of like a look, you'd look real bad. Like, really, you couldn't even fire them in their face or whatever. Right. But I think it's because like. Back in the day, say 50 years ago, if they decided they were going to fire you, Bob would tell Jim, hey, Jim, I'm going to fire that guy. They're like, oh, okay. And then you go do it the next, the next day or whatever. But nobody would find out because there's no fucking social media. Now Bob tells Jim and Jim tells Pam and then Pam tells Susie and Susie don't fucking shut the fuck up. And it's everywhere. So it's really mm. just, you know, it is what it is. Like, as soon as you make the decision these days on anything, firing, hiring, whatever, you got to just tell people right away. You can't sit on it. That's, right. the less, that's another lesson we've learned. In addition, mm-hmm. Trump always wins. It's don't sit on news. So the new co-main became Jessica Andrade. Uh, 
defeating Carolina Kowalkiewicz by knockout at 158 of the first. Um, this was an exciting fight while it lasted. Andraj just came out like uh, Bate Estaca there, the pile driver, and landed a couple quick hard shots on Kowalkiewicz. She was stunned, fell down, got back up, took some more shots, then threw some shots and actually kind of had Andraj backing up for a second. Then Andraj just leveled her and knocked her out like cold. Like you never see at 115 pounds in women's strawweight. This was like probably the most spectacular knockout you'll ever see at strawweight. Yeah, I mean, they were immediately like, as soon as it happened, they're like, this is the greatest knockout in women's history. And obviously the Holm and Ronda one will probably always be number one. But this was pretty fucking great. Like as far as raw, holy fuck kind of knockout power, you don't see this. for You don't see this for women, period. Uh, and you never, like even Cyborg doesn't hit like this. Like, the way that she clubs with her hands, you know, I've always likened her to John Lineker or Chris Lieben or some other ugly man. And uh, that's kind of how she, she strikes. And uh, it's fucking, it's awesome. Like, I don't know why they didn't make this for the 125-pound championship. They could have just done it and nobody would have known the difference. I right. honest, honest to goodness, when I saw this fight was going to be the, uh, the semi-main event, my brain was just like, is that the same Russian chick? Is she just moving up a weight? Is she just fighting her now? Oh, that's a good fight for her to make. I didn't realize it was a different Russian chick. Yeah. Or Polish um, or whatever the fuck they are. Something <laughs> poor and depressed in Europe. Although that that like the white power move in America over like emphasizes like, oh yeah, those Polish people really can fucking got it going on. Oh yeah, everybody can't wait to move to fucking Poland. It's interesting because Kowalkiewicz and Andraj were basically the the second and third, maybe third and fourth ranked straw weights in the division. And both have lost to Joanna. Um, and it was kind of presumed the winner of this would most likely get Rose, but Rose's status is kind of up in the air now since she's still freaking out about uh, Conor McGregor throwing the dolly. Um, That's true. I mean, she's fought since then, but it's still, you know, people freak out and uh, I don't want to make light of a victim. So I, I'm going to skip down a few fights and go to the main event on FX on the prelim card. That had another women's strawweight fight with Tatiana Suarez defeating Carla Esparza by TKO at 433 of the third round with punches and elbows on the ground. And this was another super impressive performance from somebody that, unless you're a real hardcore fan, you've probably never heard of and don't know her, but Suarez is like this really decorated amateur wrestler, got into MMA a few years ago. He's undefeated, I think, 7-0 and now, and um, just put a beating on Esparza. Took her down Khabib style and just kicked her ass everywhere. Esparza, who's like a pretty good wrestler in women's strawweight, had no answers, just got her ass whooped, and ended up just getting pummeled at the end of the third. And it was a really dominant performance where you're like, geez, she might have skipped the line and got this number one contender fight. But they should just do Andrade Suarez for the number one contender and have them fight Rose when Rose is feeling better six months from now or whenever it is. I, uh, you got to give – it's kind of funny. Everything you said was true. I don't disagree with anything for the most part. Uh, it's funny though when we talk about Tatiana Suarez, like you have to be a pretty hardcore fan to know who this former Ultimate Fighter winner was. Like, right? Nobody watched this fucking show. Um, mm. She, she's gonna. Uh, who knows how she'll end up? Right now, she's kind of like a 115 pound Ronda Rousey, and 
you know, I know the Khabib stuff gets talked about too, and it's fine. This was like 1999 Mark Coleman in UFC. Kind of like this stuff doesn't happen in the men's division because men are just way more advanced than women. The women's MMA is just, it's so new that someone like Suarez can come in there and her wrestling is at a level beyond anybody's. I mean, it's weird. Like we've seen a uh, fucking what's her face, uh, Sarah McMahon. She wasn't this good. This is like right. Ridiculous. I was thinking about that. Like and she, like used her wrestling like that though, and she had weird stuff on the ground. Remember that like jujitsu tournament where she got like tapped out by a sixteen year old and shit. Like something never clicked with McMahon switching over from wrestling to MMA. Like Suarez has adapted it to MMA, where it's like holy shit, she's gonna be a handful for anybody. Yeah, I, I, I would think that um, I wouldn't – I'm a believer uh, – actually, I don't know. The lesson used to be that as soon as somebody's ready for the fight, you kind of do it because you never know what's going to happen. There's no sure things. Right. You can't really build stuff. However, I think that if there's somebody you could almost safely say, I can build this chick, it's Suarez. She's mm-hmm. so about, beyond what I think she's going to face in the division. So you, you could just go with Andraj and Nama Yunus, and then Suarez gets built up for one more fight. But sure. either way, she's – She's going to be world champion in one of her next two fights. It's just almost like an inevitability. I, I, good gosh, is she good? I mean, you don't see anybody fighting at a high level like this in MMA. I mean, I guess maybe Cyborg is, is so far beyond what she's facing, but this was ridiculous. Yeah, Khabib too. Up to yeah. this point, very yeah. similar. Khabib's been pretty, pretty good. I mean. Suarez doesn't isn't as violent as Khabib. She doesn't have the submissions in her grappling. Still needs a lot of work. But as far as her wrestling goes, oh my gosh, this is like I say, it was like way back in the day when you see these really great athletes, and you're just like, oh shit, like that's what it means to really wrestle. Prior to the Andrzej Kolkiewicz fight on the main card, we had ZM Punk, Zabit Magomed Shirov defeating Brandon Davis, Nibar. This was at three forty six of the second. I actually had Brandon Davis winning the first round, believe it or not, uh, which was surprising. Zabit didn't look that great, and he wasn't throwing much, and Davis was just a more active fighter. That seemed like Zabit just decided to try in the second round. It was almost like he took the first round off. He got a takedown and kind of like wrapped Davis up like a pretzel. He got a knee bar from like the back, essentially, to get the win. Very unusual finish. It was uh, Zabit, 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 Megomed Sharapov. That's easier to somehow to say than his first name. Did what he's supposed to do. You know, you go out there against an overmatched opponent, and he just tooled him, toyed with him. I, I watched the first round, and I don't know how I would have scored it. I didn't even score it because it was kind of like watching it going, well, I know that Zabit, Zabit is going to win this fight at any moment. He, he, he just Anytime he wanted to. There was one instance where – Davis seemed like he was kind of walking ZM back. And uh, mm. Zabit's back was against the cage. And Davis threw all these punches. And I realized, like, none of them landed. And Zabit, you could just tell him he wasn't going to answer back with a punch until he was ready. And they just threw this one huge left hook. And it just fucking crushed him. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, the, you really are in control in there the whole time. Uh, took the back, pulled the leg up like a knee bar, uh, hamstring ripper, something like uh, We saw the fucking move earlier in the night. It was weird, uh, yeah. but super impressive. But it's super impressive when he had to be because fuck it. You know, he's fighting a nobody on nothing notice. Yeah. 
to after the fight, he called out Chad Mendez of all people. Mendez is obviously just back off his suspension, won that first fight impressively. Um, weird person to call out, though, no? Yeah, I li- but here I like it. It's a great call out because it's kind of a way to jump the line of your Zabit because you're you're not going to get a title shot right now, and nobody in the top level who might get a title shot is going to want to fight you. Mm. And Mendez is a he's a big name. He's a he's got that reputation. It would be kind of a popular fight, and it's also a guy that really, if you're Chad Mendez, you can't refuse this fight. Yeah, I know you just came back, you got your win, but you're a cheater, and you need to, you need to just do whatever. You're a cheater who lost to the champ to a former champion. Like you got to fight somebody good to prove yourself. Plus, if you're Chad, this is the kind of fight Chad should take to get in everybody's good graces. Go out there, you can go out there and beat uh, Zabit if he doesn't, uh, you know, cheat because of his asthma. Yeah, people are going to care. So I like the fight. Make it uh, the main event of UFC, we'll say uh, 39, probably, and for four fights, fall out in Sacramento. Uh, we also had Jimmy Rivera defeating John Dodson by unanimous decision. Dull fight. Not much happened. Rivera threw a little more, won the fight. I did notice that uh, Rivera kind of cut his hair. He shaved his head a little yes, bit closer. He did. And he yes. looks much more... Uh, Hispanic this way, like I know he's like Puerto Rican, but before I used to always look at him, and I'd be like look at him. You go, he looks like a white guy. He doesn't look like a, a Rivera at all. Shade that head. Oh yeah, he, I, you can just see it coming. You can just see the wall that needs to be erected around this man. It was very obvious. We also had in the opener Abdul Razak Al Hassan defeating Nico Price by knockout in forty three seconds. Just got Price up against the cage and beat the shit out of him and knocked him out, essentially. Yeah, uh, like Price had like his hands down or something. It, yeah. looked, it almost like looked like Price was just like, I'm going to fucking guard on my shield. But that was like his, his mindset from the first second of the fight, and that didn't work out well for him at all. Yeah, this Al-Hassan guy is interesting. He's from Ghana, where you don't hear much about MMA fighters coming out of the country of Ghana. He is now ten and one, and is four and one in the UFC. Is he really from Ghana, or is it like you know? I mean, like, or is he like born there, like at one, and he lived in England for twenty years? He's not really a Ghanaian. He was born in Ghana. I don't have the timeline of when he left Ghana. Regardless, so with a name, when you're when you're born in Ghana with a name like Razak Abdul Razimi, whatever, like you've had a weird background. Like yes. that guy didn't come from like his his name's not John Smith and he's from Iowa. We're like, yeah, I get why you're in mixed, mixed martial arts. You had a real clear path to get to this sport. Yeah, it's interesting. He's 33, but made his MMA debut in 2013. He was a judo guy before that. Oh. Um, so kind of kind of interesting. He fought in Bellator in his second fight ever in Thackerville. So man, fucking Thackerville. God, it's, what, it's, it's what? a breeding ground for. MMA stars. If I win the lottery, man, I'm going to fucking Thackerville. Yeah, blow it all there. That's a good idea. And what if you could? You could. There's just... a casino, right? Isn't that what's in Thackerville? Yeah, I still blow? don't know if you could blow all your lottery money in Thackerville, even with the casino. It's Thackerville. They'll take it. They'll take it. Maybe. Damn engines. Uh, on the prelims, we already talked Suarez. We also had Aljamain Sterling defeating Cody Stamen by knee bar at 342 of the second. Impressive win by Sterling here. He looked really good. Stamen's a top 
15 bantamweight, so a big win for Sterling. It was a very similar finish to... Um, it was the same fucking knee bar. Zabit. Yeah. The exact yeah, same fucking knee bar. Bizarre. It's only happened one other time in the history of UFC. Then he had two in one night. Yeah. Um, good I win like, for Sterling. He I like to think really this good. Omega Mesherpov saw it. He's like, I can do that. <laughs> Watch this. Like his coach is like, I bet you can't do it. He's like, fuck, you have to do that. Like it was going to be a twister. But then, like, the last moment they changed up, and that's why I took him, like, into the second round to beat him. Good theory. Um, have you noticed uh, Sterling likes to get guys' backs and then put them in full Nelsons? Yes. That's, like, his move because he, he did it to Caraway too. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and it looks, like, super painful. Like, the guy's in a lot of pain. But I, you never see that ever happen in MMA unless it's a Sterling fight. It's bizarre. Yeah, he, but is uh he he really does like to to do it, and uh, you don't see a lot of guys do it because it it's not going to finish someone. It takes a lot of energy. It's not really yeah. doesn't always seem to be a purpose unless you're going to then do a knee bar. Very rare do people understand that the uh, full Nelson is oftentimes a setup for the knee bar. You can ask Dean Malenko for that tip. <laughs> yeah, you're distracted. You don't see it coming. Uh, we also had Geoff Neal defeating Frank Camacho by head kick knockout at 123 of the second. This fight was freaking awesome. Camacho <laughs> it was incredible. Camacho typically fights at lightweight, so he was moving up, and there was definitely a size discrepancy yeah. here. And like the shots Neal was hitting on Camacho did a lot more damage than vice versa. And um, Camacho was just staggered, but he was taking a beating, and then he would wave. Neil in to beat on him some more. And Camacho was kind of sort of making a comeback, hanging in there. Then he just got destroyed. I think it was a left head kick that just knocked him out cold, highlight reel, knockout of the year sort of thing. Yeah, it was uh, it's, it's funny because, uh, oh, I was right. I just looked up Frank Camacho. I was like, he seemed like he was, he looked like he was a Pacific Islander. And he is, he's from Guam. Mm. Um, but he's just kind of like, we haven't seen a guy like him in a while where you just look at a dude and you just go, oh, he's he's a fighter. Like, this yeah. guy fights people. Like, he sits there and he, like, gets this warrior spirit bullshit, but it's kind of real. Maybe it's just because he's Pacific Islander and I assume that, like, their warrior spirit is real. But it, it seemed like, wow. And then, he, I mean, he got the shit beat out of him. But damn. I mean, this is like, you know, or like uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Southern California type of tough. Well, it was like funny. It. Somebody wrote on Twitter, um, I, I didn't know uh, Robbie Lawler and Tyron Woodley were fighting tonight. And that's yeah. what it looked like. It, like, if you look quick, it was like just a slightly smaller, like not as skilled version of those two guys fighting. It, it was it, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, that, that, that knockout. I actually first saw the knockout on uh, on ESPN. It was one yeah. of the, like the top 10 highlights or whatever. And then uh, I was like, well, okay, I'll watch this fight. And then I watched the whole fight. I was like, wow, the whole fight should be on top 10. <laughs> in the opener on FX, we had Darren Stewart defeating Charles Bird by TKO, elbow and punches at 217 in the second. This Bird, fight was great. Yeah, Bird looked really good. He was winning the fight, surprisingly, and then Stewart just landed a short elbow when Bird was kind of backing up and trying to step out of the pocket and then landed more punches and got the job done. Yeah, I mean, up until, I mean, I always hate saying things like this, up until he lost. I thought Bird looked great. Like, I'm watching this guy going, I was very impressed. Like, he's got some real talent. Like, the way he's punching, but he's got this wrestling background. Athletics seemed very comfortable. I was like, fuck, we might have, like, the next deal. Like, this guy could be a real guy. And then he gets knocked the fuck out. It's like, ah, well, okay. 
On Fight Pass, we had Diego Sanchez defeating Craig White, unanimous decision, 30-27 on all three cards. This was Diego, awesome. Diego just got takedowns, and White couldn't do anything. He got up a couple times, but Diego just got another takedown. And um, I don't think Craig White's probably UFC level at this point or will ever be, but it was nice to see Diego get a win after getting knocked out repeatedly over and over again. Yeah, uh, it was weird. I think Diego got three, maybe four takedowns. He would just get the takedown right away. He wasn't even trying to defend. Like, the guillotine was just like, fuck it, I'm going to get a takedown. Get the takedown, and then he just, he just Diego'd him. He just nonstop movement, kept punching and moving and punching and moving and punching and moving. And it was just exhausting to watch. I'm sure it was exhausting to defend. There was never, like, a one. There was actually a couple of moments where Diego seemed like he's really laying it on here. But uh, Diego was legit sitting on his face multiple times. Yeah. It was uh, very erotic. It was uh, it was quite interesting, and I was glad that this was uh, not on free TV because they would have had to turn it off. But yeah, no, Diego won, and yeah, if you get again, I know that this guy is from England, so we shouldn't expect too much. But seriously, he was like a big welterweight, and he just got easily out wrestled by Diego. Right, like not to the good. point where like this shouldn't happen to pro fighter at all. I mean. This is Tatiana Suarez's color as far as a type of bad. Um, yeah, except Tatiana Suarez is like a, a, a multiple elite time world. bronze medal winner yeah. in the world. Diego isn't, especially it, at this it, age. Diego is a guy who, when this fight was over, all I could think of is, fuck, this is the worst thing that ever happened for his career because he's going to think he can keep doing this. <laughs> no, I know. Especially at 170, he's so little. Like 155 <sighs> maybe, but... He's um, so little, and, and, he, and he looked so great, and he fought in this fight, and I bet he felt fantastic. Yeah. felt like a real champion in there. This is the next fight, he's going to fight someone that knows how to wrestle at all, and he's going to get injured bad. <laughs> in his 30th UFC fight, Jim Miller defeated Alex White by rear naked choke. Um, he, I, I think Miller just landed a good shot and landed some more on the ground, took the guys back, and choked him out. I mean, Jim Miller's still alive. Yeah, both of these guys. But for me, it was like I expected them both to just get lose to anybody in the UFC at this point. The fact that they both won, I, I was happy for each of them to get a win. I didn't, I didn't know that they had Jim Miller fight anywhere except for New Jersey. Like at this point, what's the point? And, well, yeah, uh, he's still claiming that he had like he's had Lyme disease and it, it's fucked him up for five years, and he's finally feeling normal again, which might be an excuse or whatever. But Lyme disease can really set you back and screw you up and um, can affect you in a lot of different ways. So uh, maybe there's something to that, but I guess he was on tons of medication and all this shit while he was still trying to fight and he just wasn't healthy, which there's probably some truth to that, but he's also been in 20 some odd wars in the (laughs) UFC where he's gotten destroyed and he's in his mid thirties. That's usually when most guys tail off. I mean, it is possible that the guy who is infamous for just getting hit a lot in the head (laughs) underperformed due to Lyme disease. Could be a coincidence. And, and all the medications that he was on, he was so sick that apparently he's still healthy enough to fight. Right. He's only had, what, let's see, 20 fights. There would be 20 pre-fight medicals, 20 post-fight medicals. Uh, and you got to imagine Lyme disease would eventually come up on something. <laughs> like, I'm no expert, but I've watched House enough to know that they always ask, is, could it be Lyme disease? And it's never Lyme disease. Anyways, Jim Miller. Um, the only thing I can say about Jim Miller is that 
I have said the phrase, I'm sure. I can't believe Jim Miller is still fighting so many times that now I'm just like, <laughs> actually, I can. I get it. Like, Jim Miller will just never go away. Yeah. Uh, we also had Irene Aldana defeating Lucy Pudalova by split decision 29-28, um, Awesome fight, too. This was a really good fight, one of the better women's fights you'll ever see. Uh, Pudalova just kept coming at Aldana, and Aldana would counter with jabs, and they were both just bleeding everywhere, just throwing caution to the wind. This was like a, a brawl that you don't typically see in women's fights. Yeah, I know. Good, uh, a really good women's fight. Uh, let's see, between the people in attendance and on Fight Pass, less than 50,000 people will ever see this fight. But <laughs> And then in the opener, Jared Brooks defeated Roberto Sanchez by split decision. Brooks came in, I think, on like five days' notice to get the win. So there you go. That was UFC 228. Awesome show. Best show they've had in a long time. Uh, it was funny. I last Wednesday I started feeling like crap, um, and I I missed some work. And I was home on Saturday, which I almost I'm never home on Saturday. I'm always working, but um, I was able to watch that whole show. I'm like, holy shit, this was a good show. I'm glad I got to see this. It wasn't painful like I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good enough show that I can't think what did I I was doing. Oh, it's a good enough show that I regret that I didn't watch all of it live. Like, I, I was out uh, for a part of the night, so I didn't get to see the undercard live. But if I had sat in at home and just watched all this, not, I would have thought, it's a good night spent. It's a good way to spend your night. Good job, Mike. Speaking of Mike's, Michael Chiesa's attorney made it official Monday night. The UFC fighter is suing Conor McGregor and others in response to the infamous dolly throwing incident that occurred back in April in Brooklyn. Chiesa filed a lawsuit against McGregor, McGregor Sports and Entertainment, Barclays Center, McGregor's cohorts, and others Monday in New York State Supreme Court, Kings County. Um, Among the claims made in the suit are negligence, negligent infliction of emotional distress, and assault and battery. Good luck with that one there, buddy. Uh, I mean, like, here's the thing. He's got a claim, technically, if you were, like, taking a law school test, you would have to, like, write down, yes, he's got a claim because of this, this, and this. But, like, there's no damages. He fought a couple of months later, like, two months later or something like that. But, like, at, at most, he's got some emotional distress. That's fine. He should get compensated for that. We can mock him. But the truth is, if you're standing in the world – you exist, and nobody has a right to interfere with how you exist. If somebody throws a fucking dolly at your window, it frightens you a little bit, you get compensated for getting frightened like that. Like, nobody should have to be frightened, even big bad fighters like Michael Chiesa. Other than that, I, I don't see him having lost any real income. Sure, a little bit of opportunity here and there, but we're, we're talking... Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. 30, 40 grand, Maybe. Maybe. Would you like to hear more? Sure. Chiesa's attorney writes that Chiesa was attacked, assaulted, and or battered by McGregor and his cohorts, resulting in serious personal, economic, and other injury. Uh, goes on that McGregor was operating on behalf of McGregor Sports and Entertainment. His promotional company, Barclays Center and parent company, BSC, were named as defendants because Per the complaint, those employed at the Brooklyn Arena failed to adequately perform their security duties. Uh, 
I, I see what they're going for there, but uh, you're a cage fighter. Shut the fuck up. Like, honestly, again, these are all things where, like, if you put it down, you go, yes, this is a, this is a claim. Yes, he's entitled to redress of his in- injuries. I get this. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't get hurt. And he got to fight again. But the, the complaint states that Chiesa has been rendered sick, sore, lame, and disabled. That he has experienced pain, suffering, and a loss of enjoyment of life and will experience same in the future. That he has been obliged to expend and will expend in the future sums of money for medical aid and attention, as well as compensation for economic loss. That he has suffered personal injuries, lost opportunities, and economic damages. That he has been unable to attend to his usual avocation and activities. Has suffered a loss in other benefits as a result and believes he will continue to suffer the same in the future. He did. He lost. All that is 100% true, technically. It's no money, monetary value to most of it. How like, much... How much... There's no monetary claim. I guess there's no dollar amount mentioned yet. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think they're going to ask for, if you had to guess? What are they going to ask for? What? Yeah. Um, okay. That's essentially what this is, right? They're I asking think... for money from Conor McGregor, essentially, right? Well, okay. What you do is you go to trial. And, you, I, I, and I don't know how New York pleading works like mm-hmm. that. Uh, like in Illinois, you have to plead a certain dollar amount. And stuff like that. Like, um, I would. Uh, I mean, they're probably going to do two hundred fifty thousand dollars or half a million dollars because this is a big, rich guy, and we need to teach him a lesson. They try to play it up; it, it'll never go to a jury. It, it can't. It's not going to go that far. It's like I say, you could get creative. I could come up with a whole bunch of stuff, and it would all sound really good. But at the end of the day, he didn't get hurt. He got scared a little bit, and his fight got delayed. He did have a trickle of blood from his forehead. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Uh, yeah, Conor will have to reimburse him for the uh, and a loss of a pretty face that Michael Chiesa suffered. I find it interesting that Chiesa is suing already, but uh, Rose is not. Rose, Rose is too, is... She's too afraid to do it. She can't leave the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It shows the extent. That really, she'll be a great witness for Kiesa. Shows how how damaging that dolly really was. I keep saying dolly because that's what I've heard. But, like, is that what that thing is called? Yeah. Is, like, I don't really know. What, I would call it, like, a cart or something. Dolly sounds like it's a British thing. People call it a dolly. I don't I call, actually... Sometimes I call it a two-wheeler. Yeah, I'll go with dolly. Yeah, comes in handy if you're trying to move like uh, cases of beer or wine or something. Yeah, no, we like have delivery it. drivers use them all the time. I've, I've used them before, like in apartments and stuff. But yeah, I never really knew what it was called. It was called like the cart. Mm, that's dumb. Uh, in other Connor news, the probably one and only Connor Khabib presser is going to take place in New York City at the Radio City Music Hall on September twentieth. Next Thursday at 5 p.m. Dana White is expected to be there as well. And it looks like this is actually closed to the public for some reason. It's just uh, press only. When they say like Radio City Music Hall, is that kind of like when they say to, like uh, Madison Square Garden, but there's like it's a big complex? Because like I hear uh, Radio City Music Hall and I think, okay, a big deal. They're going to open up to the public. But then yeah. you say no public. It's like, 
Oh, what the fuck's the point of that? Just do it at Hilton. Yeah, I'm not sure. Here. I don't know. I don't know what the story is, but that that was the information I have received so far. I mean, what a waste to have a Conor McGregor press conference and not have a crowd there. I agree. Like, why would I want to watch Conor if he's not playing to the crowd? You should do the, pre- do the presser at MSG. Fuck it. They should do the whole thing on television in front of um, Irish people. They should just do it in Ireland. Fuck that. All Conor McGregor press should be done in Dublin. They should bring all of his opponents in front of – that's what it should be. All Conor McGregor's opponents should have to come to Dublin and stand there as he insults them in front of his countrymen. Then they get to fight him. <laughs> what is the name of uh, that stadium in Dublin where they where Conor wants Cork? to fight? I mean, I know it's in Cork. Or no, it's not in Cork. Um, I can't think of the name. Something of it. Road, maybe. No. Fuck, I can't think of it. Um, so I'm yeah, sure it's a shithole. That'll be something to look forward to, Conor and Khabib. Hopefully, they both show up. Um, I do remember back in the day, Conor Croke Kim- Park. Croke Park. Thank you. Uh, they should it do holds it eighty-two thousand people. Yeah, remember Connor wanted to fight there, but they couldn't work out the time because there's a curfew in the city, and there's like it's like near like condos or apartments or something, and there's zoning issues, so they won't run it there because the time difference between the states and Ireland would be getting out at like three a.m. and the the city wouldn't do it. The, the main reason is because it's fucking Ireland, and you can make. I don't know, like a billion dollars more in any place in America because we have money and they. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking more early on, like the Aldo Mendez fights when he was only doing eight hundred thousand buys. Um, they were talking about doing a show over there because back then it was like all the Irish fans coming over and filling up, filling up those arenas and stuff for him early on. Um, so I think they were thinking eighty thousand over there, and you know they they wouldn't have to travel and they could pack the place and still make make a decent amount of money, but um, they always said the issue was the time. Um, in other good news, uh, one of my least favorite fighters of all time, Fabricio Verdum, has been suspended for two years by USADA. Um, he tested positive for the steroid Trenbolone and its metabolite Epitrenbolone. You must have been so fucking happy when you saw this. I am not a fan of his. I think he's a dick. Like uh, when I when I first I don't saw say this, that I, about a lot of people. Like, I know, like I, I think you have a, a real thing. Yeah, you have a real hatred for for Bruce. and it's all it's all like legit too. Like I get why, like the Chechen thing, the real weird like persistent homophobia that he seems to engage in, the <laughs> bullying. Yeah, he's just kind of uh, he is a dick, right? Oh, and I, I I more think about like trying to beat up Tony Ferguson and going after Coach Edmund. And just all these guys who are like half his size, he outweighs by a hundred pounds, like Kobe Covington. It's like, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you going after? Like, pick on somebody your own size, you fuck. He tried that, and then he got beat. <laughs> he got knocked out a bunch. Uh, he was supposed to fight uh, Alexei Olenek at this fight <coughs> coming up, but he got pulled for the positive test. Claimed it was a misunderstanding. They did the B sample, all that stuff. Um, and I, I can't believe they couldn't find a Tajan supplement for him. It's really too bad. Give it time. He's already been suspended. They went through it. It's over. He's done. Did he already go through the whole process? Yeah. That's weird. Um, yeah, not everyone takes 17 months like John Jones, apparently. Or that other dude that was suspended for like two years and kept fighting. <laughs> that might be the guy he was supposed to fight on this show. Give, Tremble- give, 
Can you imagine, by the way, like how confused the people in uh, Moscow must be? Like, wait, wait, wait. He not fight because of drugs? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, how the fuck can you possibly like that whole UFC Russia that they're doing or whatever? Mm. How the fuck does that coexist with the USADA? Rusada is what it'll have to be. <laughs> Trimbalone is a steroid marketed for veterinary and clinical uses. is a It's a non-specified substance in the class of anabolic agents and prohibited at all times under the UFC's anti-doping program. Verdum's suspension is retroactive to May 22nd, the date he was flagged, so he will be eligible to fight on May 22nd, 2020. Uh, so not again until he's 43 years old. So, Well, he'll still be young by heavyweight standards, so he's got plenty of time. <laughs> he'll have another 10 years. I mean, I, I understand that they're fighters and you do what you got to do, but I wonder if there's ever a point in these guys' lives when they're, when they're just like filling the syringe with horse steroids and they're injecting in their ass and they go, how did I get here? Like, what's gone wrong? What did I do in life? I used to be like this cute kid. Like, you see these little kids, like, he's probably like a smiling, happy kid that everybody's like, he was just a nice boy. And now he's shooting horse shit into his veins. Like, fuck. Speaking of Brazilians, former UFC featherweight champ Jose Aldo came close to headlining the upcoming fight night card scheduled for September 22nd in Brazil. Speaking with the media in Rio on Tuesday, Aldo said he was offered a lightweight belt with Donald Cerrone in the main event of UFC Sao Paulo after Glover Teixeira pulled out of the fight with Jimmy Manua, but his team eventually declined the offer on short notice. I find it interesting that Aldo declined the fight on short notice and not Donald Cerrone. What a shocker. I find it weird that somebody would say, yeah, I was offered a fight, but I don't want to do it. Like, you didn't have to tell us that. You don't have to tell me that you're a pussy. I get it. Like, you're a coward. You're afraid of Donald Cerrone. Um, either way, it looks like Aldo wants to move up to 145. Um, he said he's not interested in taking any fights at featherweight right now except championship bouts. Um, and he'd love to fight the same night that Max Holloway and Brian Ortega do. At least he understands how this game works. Uh... <laughs> Although, if he's supposed to fight at 155 on that card, he's not going to make 145 to fight one of those guys if they fall out. Eh, you never know. I mean, he's not Nico Montano. He's a professional. He'll make it happen. Yeah, I got nothing. Huh. I got nothing on all the. No, I'm just yeah. reading more of this interview because it's like translated, and some of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, moving along, Bellator is a MMA promotion that's still in business. Um, they announced today that they're going to be doing a show in Hawaii, and it's going to be headlined by Alima Lay McFerrin. McFarland defending her 125-pound flyweight title against Valerie Letourneau. I didn't know there were a lot of Jews in Hawaii, but all right. <laughs> um, it's going to be streamed on The Zone on December 15th from the Neil S. Blaisdell Center in Honolulu. The fucking um, balls of these people. There's somebody <laughs> out there that really thinks someone's going to go out of their way to find, download, or whatever the fuck you have to do to get the zone just to watch a Lima Lay McFarland fight. Come on. Put it on fucking um, YouTube. Well, you'll probably be able to get it there a couple hours after. But it's also going to feature uh, Leota Machida versus uh, Rafael Carvalho as well in the co-main. I mean, you can just 
hear the excitement in my voice, I'm sure. This will be Machida's first fight back in Hawaii since I believe he fought BJ Penn at 190-something pounds. You know, it, this could be an important show, though, because it does begin Leota Machida's uh, quest to be the openweight Grand Prix champion. I think it's cool they're going to Hawaii. I mean, UFC hasn't been able to figure out a way to do that. It's probably not profitable enough for them or something, but apparently making money isn't a real concern for Bellator because they've got all this zone money coming in, so they're set. They can take risks like this. Well, yeah. I mean, you get all that zone cash. <laughs> you you got you you can take yeah you can take a risk you can try you can branch out develop a new territory. Sky, I mean, nobody's ever really asked if Hawaiians like to fight, so this could be a good uh, good thing to figure out. And in other Bellator news, did you hear about their big signing? I mean, you're gonna have to narrow that down. I don't know which which one this week you're thinking of. Uh, Eric Silva has signed with Bellator and will face Lorenz Larkin in an alternate bout for the welterweight Grand Prix tournament at Bellator 207. Okay. I'm just just like, my brain is just wrapping my head around the idea that they're even bothering with an alternate for the welterweight tournament, let alone the fact that they're still having a welterweight tournament. I don't even know why they're doing that. Why? Why? Why do we need a welterweight tournament? You already have a fucking champion, right? Just... Yeah, and, and the champion is fighting for the middleweight belt, yet he is also in the tournament as well. Like, I get that they're just making fights for the next month or whatever, but they're not even pretending like there's a, a storyline or some shit here. I find myself personally offended by, the, by their actions. <laughs> also, I guess Spider-Man Homecoming on in the background, like this most recent one. Like, okay. There's a scene where it's like he's crawling up the uh, Washington Monument to save mm-hmm. the day and do some shit or whatever. Like, he gets to the top and he gets really scared of heights. What? What? You're fucking Spider-Man. How is Spider-Man afraid of fucking heights? That's literally the gimmick. You climb tall fucking buildings. You can't be afraid of heights and be Spider-Man. Anyways. In other upcoming fight news, on December 2nd, in UFC Adelaide, we're going to have a headliner of Junior Dos Santos first tie to Avasa, the guy who drinks beer and piss out of his shoe. wonder if he'll get flagged for something. <laughs> I wonder if that makes you more or less likely to get flagged, like if you drink your own urine or someone else's urine. Like, is that a good excuse? Like, can you, can, instead of tainted supplements and tainted meat, can you use my buddy's piss was tainted? Somebody should do that. They should use that and be like, look, I'm into water sports and this just happens, okay? Like me and Ronnie Coleman were having sex the other night. The next thing you know, I've got uh, clenbuterol in my body. That would be a good excuse for a woman, like a woman's fighter. I think a dude could do it too. No, but like Cyborg could say she was just banging a dude and that's why she tested positive from his jizz. I just think an enterprising, nah, you got to go with the water sports. It's got to be pee. That way, there's a lot of it. And like, I, I presume, like, I don't know if steroids go into your, your, your ejaculate. That seems a little inappropriate. But your urine, for sure, for sure, the urine would help, you know, filter out the steroids. And, you would think. And, I, I, I... and honestly, like, you got to figure that if a guy is willing to tell somebody, 
I have steroids in me because another man was urinating in my mouth for sexual pleasure that he's telling the truth because no one would lie about that. So, John, if you're listening, you know what to do. In other big upcoming fights, one I'm sure you're going to be looking forward to, we've got two UFC Hall of Famers going at it. Kasushi Sakuraba and Uriah Faber are going to be battling at the next quintet event on October 5th at um, the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. It's awesome. This is what this is what they should be doing. All old men should just go to like the UFC Retirement League. Grappling matches for fun with legends and guys that can't walk. I mean, I don't actually think Sakuraba is physically healthy enough to do a grappling match anymore. But it's better than what Japan's going to do to him for New Year's Eve, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably. Imagine if Donald Trump was the head of Japan. Like, imagine he was the Japanese premier. And, okay. Like, what would he do to Sakuraba? Because, you know, Trump would be involved in the New Year's Eve thing. And he'd be in a country where they don't really have rules. And, like, you're allowed to do things to human beings just for fun. And mockery is accepted. So Donald Trump would have a lot of fun with Sakuraba on New Year's Eve. I mean, seriously, you thought that Bob Sapp being locked in a cage and having Japanese people throw bananas at him was bad? They, I mean, they weren't even—they didn't even know what they were doing. My gosh, these people are fucking backwards. We. This is why America shouldn't allow immigrants because the Japanese were throwing bananas at a black man in a cage, and that's Japan. That's like a first-world country. Pretty sure it is first world, yeah. <laughs> like a first world country. Um, yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, Faber is a lot smaller than Sakuraba, but he's also 10 years younger. And healthier. Uh, yeah, that, that'll be, that'll be a, a sight to see. I guess Faber's got a uh, team in that quintet tournament. I think we or show, however it works. It's one where you, like, you, you pick teams and... It, the first guys go in, but each team doesn't know who they're sending in first. So you it's try basically and, it's, yeah. uh, it's it's submission grappling meets Survivor Series. Yeah, essentially that that's actually the perfect way to describe it. it. If they you. only could sell it that way on television, it would be so awesome. Instead, yeah. they just like tell you there's this quintet thing, and people are like, eh, what? <laughs> it sounds like an airplane. It sounds like some like something that uh, they sold Donald Trump. Like, no, no, you need. You need a bunch of these quintets over here. And they're like, yeah, 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 I do. And a bunch of them. And they're like, I can't believe he bought it. 19 years ago this week, do you know what happened? Uh, let's see. 19 years ago this week would have been 1999. Um, good. So far, so good. Um, Today, September 12th. Frank Shamrock B. Igor Zinoviev. Uh, I don't think so. This was a Pride show. Uh, Vanderlei made his debut in Pride. He defeated Ooh. Karl Malenko. Uh, this was Pride 7 from the Yokohama Arena in uh, Yokohama. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> in Yokohama? Um, so, yeah, this was a weird one. Like, if this is in order, the main event was Daijiro Matsui versus Bob Schreiber. Um, Does that make sense? What's the, what, was the, what was the other... Top there, were, there was a pro wrestling match between Takata and Alexander Atsuka. 
Yeah, Takata Elzer Otsuka. Um, that may have been the main event. Yeah, Igor Vavanchin versus Mark Kerr. Oh, the, um, okay. Igor and Mark Kerr was a big deal at the time. That was like the number one. That was like for the undisputed. Like, not there was like no title, but that was kind of like mm. Pride's heavyweight champion was going to kind of be like one of those two guys. Um, that I think was a no contest. Um, oh, is that what um, Kerr, I think? Illegal knee strikes by yeah. Volvanchi. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, that was, that was kind of like the last time Kerr was ever relevant in life. I can't believe yeah. Kerr's still alive. Yeah, I remember that documentary with him. He had um, some drug issues. Yeah, and uh, like, I'm surprised he didn't have AIDS or Hep C or some sort of needle-related disease. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's sure... Sakuraba in 99 won a fight on this show against Anthony Macias, and he's still um, active in uh, the grappling world today. That was a that was like a, a showcase fight. Um, he did like a cool suplex to Macias, one with a knee bar. Uh, did he? No, no. I'm sorry. Um, arm bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second round, I think he just kind of toyed with him and had some fun there. It was like a, it was a show for Japan, and uh, the Japanese, it turned out, uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, they like that sort of shit, don't they? Yeah, you know, what's amazing is that you say things like in 1999, you go, that's such a long time ago. Yeah, since that time, the Japanese put Bob Sapp in a cage and threw bananas at him. This weekend, we have UFC Fight Night number 136 coming from Moscow, Russia. This is the show we've been talking about for years, the debut in Russia. And in the main event, we have Mark Hunt against Alexei Olenek. What happened on Fight Pass? Um, All I can say is that Vadim did it again. He pulled one over on us. You know, he really got one up on uh, Dan. What channel is this fucking show on? Is it even on TV? It's on Fight Pass. Oh, no one's gonna watch this shit. <clears throat> I can't believe they're actually going to Russia and this is what they're doing. I, and I can't believe there actually is a UFC Russia that merged with M13 or whatever the hell, M3, <laughs> M1, M1, MS13, whatever the hell it is. I'm rush some gang. It'd be awesome if they teamed up with an MS13. Oh my gosh, can you imagine Colby Covington? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they've been trying to get into Russia for years and years. Thought it was like this huge market. Obviously, MMA is a big deal in Russia. We know that with the the Chechens and all their, um, you know, M one global Russia Fedor. They have a history in MMA, and this show is completely under the radar. It's a lot of just like Russian fighters you've never heard of on the card. And there's really no buzz around this whatsoever, which, you know, if you said that six months ago, people would be like, are you crazy? That's going to be a huge show. And it's just not at all. Um, like I said, main event, you've got Mark Hunt versus Alexio Linick. Um, Mark Hunt is still suing the UFC. As far as I know, that <laughs> the lawsuit has not been settled and he is coming off a unanimous decision loss to Curtis Blades. And then Olenek is the guy who always wins by Ezekiel choke. He is yes. Um, he is fifty six and eleven <laughs> in his career. He has fought at heavyweight, light heavyweight, and middleweight. 
And uh, he is coming off a win against Junior Albini via Ezekiel choke. This is going to be awesome. I can't. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually kind of excited now because it's either Mark Hunt by knockout or Alaniac by friggin' Ezekiel. Like Mark Hunt knows how to defend an Ezekiel choke. I except, can I, except, I can see Mark Hunt losing by Ezekiel here, no problem. This guy also has a lot of scarf hold headlock wins as well. He basically grow cop that way. Basically, this dude, Alexei Aleniak, has developed one amazing skill in life: how to squeeze a man's head, and he's really good at it. And uh, the problem is, is that a lot of his sque- head squeezing leaves that arms free, and Hunt can still hit you hard with those hands. Uh, I don't really care. I, I hope Hunt wins by knockout because I like Mark Hunt. Um, I hope he gets a bonus. I don't worry about Mark Hunt's health anymore because it's, it's fucked. So I at least hope he gets enough money out of these things. <laughs> also, like, there's no way this show is a real show. This just screams. Like, I, the older I get, the more I'm just like, yep, this is a, a conspiracy, some sort of scam, some sort of money laundering. Because when you see stuff like this and you go, that doesn't make any sense. And you go, oh, it's Russia. Then it makes sense. Uh, Hunt has been doing interviews recently, still bitching about Brock Lesnar and Lesnar coming back to the UFC. Um, Hunt asked, why do we have rankings? I don't know. It is what it is, man. That's not my call. That's just the way it is. And I think it's shit, though. How's that work? The motherfucker's a cheater. How is that a controversy? Fucking little cunt is fucking cheating, using steroids. Fuck, man. How is that? You're talking a little bit of controversy. The fucking guy is cheating. He's cheating and trying to hurt me. And you say, oh, we're going to be nice here. Fuck that cheater. How are you going to be nice to the guy that is taking shortcuts, man? Don't give him that. Why would you want to give him that sort of shortcut? Uh, Fuck, they don't deserve it. You know, all these guys are just shortcut takers. And to me, that's all they'll ever be. Nothing else. When he's right, he's right. I mean, I don't know why they have rankings and they probably shouldn't like realistically Brock shouldn't be rewarded at all, but we know why. And I'm sure if somebody told Mark, it's about business. He'd be like, yeah, fuck that, man. I want to drink a beer. I don't know what accent that is. Bring him a little Russian accent there. But... Yeah. Hunt wants to fight again after this as soon as possible and get out of his deal and get on with his life. Apparently he is done with the UFC. Uh, in the co-main event, we've got Jan Blakovich versus Nikita Krylov. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kryloff is Russian. He uh, got cut from the UFC a couple years ago in his back. He was kind of a touted prospect a couple years ago. Blakovich is Polish. So we have a Polish guy versus a Russian guy. Richard Spencer just came. Good to know. And then we also have Andre Arlovsky versus Shamil Abdurakimov. He's from I mean, Dagestan. I was, was going to say, like, somebody sounds like he's from a country that is it's technically Muslim, but, like, I feel like Dagestan is the kind of Muslims where, like, the rest of the Muslim world is like, look, we're not fucking with them, all right? Like, Sunnis and Shiites and all of them, like, the Iranians and the Iraqis are just like, eh, you guys go do your own thing. And they're all just sitting there up in the mountains eating like, gravel or whatever they fucking do and being superior men in every way. I feel very inferior to Dagestani people. And their beards are outstanding. 
Although they all look like they're way older than they should be. Fucking Zab- like Zabbit's like 24, and he looks like he's got to be 45 and a hard smoker. <laughs> They've um, had rough lives, I think, in the, the caucuses. Yeah, it's weird to think that they're uh, – they just look a little older than some uh, – some lawyer in the suburbs wearing soccer shorts. <laughs> in the opener of the main card on Fight Pass of UFC Moscow, we have Alexei Kunchenko versus Tiago Alves. Clearly, Tiago Alves has pissed someone off. Uh, I don't know. He's still got a job. It says something about the guy. I mean, honestly, like every one of these people in this show – Almost all of them, if you told me that they had been fighting on a show together and just it was called M1 Global, I would have been like, okay. Like, did, what, what is about this as a UFC show at all besides Mark Hunt being Mark Hunt? Like, he's the only guy in the, on the show that's really, I guess Arlovsky is kind of, but whatever. It's a loser show. Then again, I thought last week's show was going to be a loser show. So it'll probably end up being amazing. Do you think the main event? On the prelims of UFC Fight Pass Moscow will be good. Khalid Murtazuliev versus some guy named CB Dalloway. Oh my gosh. CB Dalloway lives again. I'm like, CB Dalloway's moving back down to middleweight. Big news. I mean, CB Dalloway, how much, how bad is your luck? You, you don't get to have one fight because an elevator drops, and now you have to go to Russia. Yeah. Like, who did you piss off to do that one? Like, that feels like a punishment. And maybe it is, because you, if you look at C.B. Dalloway, you, yeah, he definitely rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why Hector Lombard punched him all those times after the bell in his last fight. When, well, plus Hector Lombard is a, a communist. What's wrong with that? Peter Yan versus Jin Su Sun? Sure. How about Rustam Kabilov versus Raging Cajun Johnson? Well, I've actually Rustam Kabilov at least is a fighter I've heard of. Yes, uh, Raging Cajun. I can't believe there are two people in the UFC with that nickname. Actually, there's Who's a lot the of other one. I was thinking Al Quinta. That's Raging Al. Yeah. yeah. First, what's, yeah. stop Raging, everybody. I, I I just made that up. That might not oh. even be his name. Let me oh. check. Shit, it is raging. Is it really? Yeah, raging. With an apostrophe after the end. He's from Canada. Oh. Eh. Have you heard of that? It's north of here. It's kind of like, you don't watch Game of Thrones, so you won't get the reference. It's like the White Walkers. North of the wall. I like how you know what shows I watch. Uh, Mareback Kaisamov, you were right, by the way, versus Desmond Green. I've heard of both these guys also. Hooray. How about at light heavyweight, Magomed Ankalov versus Marcin Prachnio? How are these people, how are we supposed to live in the same world as people with these names? Like, come on, I can't say these people's fucking names. How can I be friends with them? I don't like, I don't mean like, I mean, I have to, they have to be my enemy, but I have nothing in common with these people. Your name is Magomed? That's not a name. What, I'm going to call you Mago? Eh. I don't like them. I don't like foreigners. They need good old-fashioned American names like Matt, Mark, Mike. How about Jordan Johnson versus Adam Yandiev? Adam Adam's Yandiev. What the fucking name is that? I don't like that name either, but Adam's good. 
Ramazan Amiv for Stefan Sekulik. Yeah. And in the opener, we have Mirab Devilashili Vili versus Tyrion Ware. Uh, I mean, everybody wants to see Tashilia Vili. And that is your UFC Moscow preview. Um, I'm trying to figure out what time that might start. That's going to be hard to figure out. So September 15th, that's what, Saturday? I don't even know. Today's the 12th, 13th. Saturday's 14th. the 15th, yeah. yeah. But what time? That might be one of those like weird like morning shows or something. Probably. I, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Like, would you really want to like make the Russians stay up till four in the morning so that the Americans can watch it at a decent hour on Fight Pass? I find out right. Is now. that really worth pissing off Putin? Um, breaking news. Speaking of Russia, um, uh oh, no, nothing, nothing. Oh. Well, it's good, but it won't huh. affect us in any way. Uh, I saw this headline. Pussy riot activist rushed to hospital to due to what the band and his family suspect is a poisoning. Piotr Versalov, the spokesperson for the Russian protest group and punk band Pussy Riot, was taken to a Moscow hospital toxicology unit after experiencing a loss of speech, sight, and movement. Both the band and Versalov's family believe he was poisoned, though no official cause has been confirmed yet. First of all, all credit to Pussy Riot. I can't believe they're still going strong and getting real attention. Like, they have not fucking stopped. They've been going at Russia for years. Also, Putin, seriously. Like, we know it's you. Nobody else is poisoning people. You're the only one. You're the only guy poisoning someone. America, we have drones or shit like that. Like, the, in Brazil, they're just stabbing people in the streets. Only you assholes are poisoning. We all know it's you. UFC Moscow starts, the early prelims start at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. Oh. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I yeah. like that. Not bad. Not, that's, uh, it's pretty good. Get out of the way during the day. That's freaking oh, I, awesome. I, fucking, I love those. I love UFC shows that are on like around 2 in the afternoon, something like that. You have like a nice afternoon. You get, I don't have to do anything. Then I my evening is free to watch a movie or play with the dog or something like that. Speaking of, hi there, buddy. He's a good dog. Who's um, a good dog? Who's a good dog? I know. Yeah. I only have 15 minutes left on this show. Oh, jeez. we got to get moving. That's right, because we only get 90 minutes. No, it's two hours. I thought, I thought it was 90 minutes. No, two hours. But we oh. got to stop early so you can put in the music. No, no, no. We can just record for two hours. You can go longer than that. Speak for yourself. Uh, two, two hours is a good limit. That's a good yeah, guideline. I agree. Unless there's some really important things we have to talk about. No, there never like, is. How about the darts player that was banned for two years from dart playing for snorting cocaine on a boozy night out? Fucking sexism is running rampant. You know, I mean, old in the old days, the old darts players can do that. But I'm sure this darts player just has a pair of breasts and therefore not allowed to do cocaine. Before you play darts. Uh, the darts player's name is Kevin. So I'm presuming it is a man. And he has been banned from, uh, what is it called? Darts? The World Championship PDPA, I guess, is the, the group. He tested positive for benzo 
Benzodiazepine. No, gonine, a metabolite of cocaine following a test on November 27th during a... November 27th, I can't be right. Anyway, this guy's been banned for uh, doing uh, coke. Apparently that uh, affects your performance in darts. Can you believe there's drug testing in darts? No. I think it's a little much, doesn't it? Isn't that the point of darts? I guess if it's a professional sport, there must be stuff that can uh, give you some sort of edge. I guess maybe well, that, uh, that's that. There's really amphetamines or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thing it's not a sport though. So who gives a shit? It's a bunch of fat guys throwing darts. How do you define a sport? Um, it has to be a competitive endeavor in okay. which you can neg- which you can prevent your opponent from succeeding. How about so golf is not a sport? Correct. Interesting. I think it has to have a competitive. There has to be a. You have to be able to stop someone from winning the game. How about like figure skating? Not a sport. Wow. It's a competition. And again, things can be competitions. They can be athletic competitions. They can be incredibly difficult and impressive athletic competitions. But it's not sports. That's all. How about poker? That's no. Chess? No. No. Anything a dog can do is definitely not a sport. Competitive eating. No. Can't stop the other person. Um, so a lot of – how about like uh, races? Like anything like 100-meter dash? I don't – I don't really consider them sports. I consider them competitions. There's recently the Olympic Games. Uh, you're it, you're a, a weird person. I, I just think that the – it's because people – it's because I got so angry over the years. Back when I used to get angry a lot. Yeah, so uh, calm and, now. Uh you know, people bastardize in terms of sport. So I like eventually one day I thought, okay, what is a sport? And I'd be like, bowling's not a sport. Golf's not a sport. Why? And I'm like, okay, I kind of came up with my definition. And it's a, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty fair definition. Would you consider tennis a sport? Yes. Um, did you hear about Serena Williams and the U.S. Open? Hasn't everyone... I don't know. I, here's the thing. Like, I follow tennis a little bit, so I, I oh. know a little more. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is a weird one because, to me, like, the coaching thing, essentially what happened was in the U.S. Open finals, Serena's in the finals again. She's the greatest tennis player of all time. Um, most Grand Slam wins, unbelievable, still the best player in the world at 35 years old or however old she is. It's ridiculous, but you're not supposed to get coaching during a match. Why? I don't know. It's just one of those rules. What, what possible coaching advantage is there? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably a stupid rule that I can't tell you, but technically you're not supposed to get coaching and her coach, you know, is a couple rows back in the stadium and you can see him on video giving like hand gestures, like essentially telling her to go to net or something the next point, whatever. Um, So somehow the chair umpire sees this, calls her out for it, docks her a point. She starts yelling at him, calls him a thief, breaks a racket. She gets docked a game and ends up losing. Um, she was already losing at that point, and the other uh, woman she was playing, Osaka, I think Naomi Osaka is her last name, um, she uh, was probably going to win the match anyway, so it was kind of didn't even matter. But essentially Serena caused this big scene and is claiming it wouldn't happen to a man and all this other stuff. And I, I just keep seeing videos of like John McEnroe and stuff, like throwing rackets and screaming. And 
pretty much everybody considers John McEnroe to be an asshole and a dick and nobody <laughs> liked him. And it was also 40 years ago. You're talking like the early 80s was McEnroe's heyday. He was like a pro in the late 70s, literally 40 years ago. This and he guy, got disqualified at the U.S. Open. He was punished a lot. And he, I, everything I read was very pro-Serena, but I mean, the rule's the rule. And it looked like they were bending the rules and granted she took it personal and maybe she doesn't think it's cheating and every coach does it. But even her coach admitted that he was coaching her and giving her instructions. Um, so like I kind of side with, with the umpire in this situation because she was yelling at him and kind of out of control, um, whether it's a man or woman or whatever, the rules, the rule. And the fact that, she's claiming it's sexist or whatever. I, I don't know that that's totally true. I'm sure there's situations where, yeah, she hasn't been treated fairly, but I'm not sure this was one of those. It's just the whole thing is just, this whole world is bizarre now. Nothing makes sense. I, I see this as, it's so transparent to me that she was just losing and then she she came up with an excuse. That's all this I, is like, I see athletes do this. And it's not like unique to her. Almost all high-level athletes do this. You know, you yeah, see but this she's all lost the time. a lot. Of, she's like, in tennis. You lose a lot, even when you're like the best in the world. She she loses probably ten times a year. Like she loses all the time and doesn't. This doesn't happen. And usually, you don't get docked a point for that. It was unusual, but it, it, it's like a footfall on a serve. Like nobody ever really gets docked for that. But a lot of times, people step over that that baseline when you're going to serve it happens um but nobody ever really gets called for it when they do it's like oh that was weird but just like um, her, her her whole posture though the whole like i am a mother and i would never cheat and all this stuff right. is just like it was it, it was a whole me thinks dost thou doth protest too much type of deal like it was really like lady people don't react this way unless they were clearly caught cheating like nobody who's innocent ever like I, and the whole like I am a mother, and I am a woman. If I was a man, you wouldn't be doing this. If I was a man, it's like seriously, that's what you're gonna pull. You're gonna pull like you're like royalty in tennis. You, you think that all of a sudden they're just like, and we're gonna, we're not gonna let this woman be uppity. Like all now after all these years, sixteen grand slams or whatever. Now tennis is like, no, Serena, you got to be put in your place. She's just a whiner, and she's getting attention for it. I think her behavior is disgusting. She destroyed the greatest moment of a young girl's entire life. That's true. I mean, yeah. that's really awful. Like, that's a real – and they, that poor girl fucking stood there. You could see her looking very awkward, like, yeah, no. This she was crying. Cool. She was crying, and it, she actually it, apologized. She yeah, apologized and, for winning. Yeah. It, and, and, Serena was, and Serena was garbage. She wasn't going to win. She was losing. And she now she's made it about herself. And people want to like – they buy – I think there's a segment of people that really want to pretend like she's infallible because like she's this very strong, successful black woman in, a ver in an area where that never, ever happens. But the truth is I think she's just like any other athlete where she's just kind of a spoiled brat. Like that's that's kind of par for the course in tennis. Female tennis, they tend to be brats. All tennis is remarkably filled with brats. I don't understand it. The men are assholes. The women are assholes. They act like children. I don't I don't know why anybody tolerates this shit. Like you see in baseball, guys get thrown out all the time or whatever. Like, I, I, I think you're 
generalizing a bit. Well, yes, I'm generalizing a bit. Yes, of course I am. <laughs> but it's still a sport where like people are like slamming their rackets and doing this is getting. I know, all but that, that that's what you see. It'd be like saying um, when batters strike out, they break the bat over their knee because you saw Bo Jackson do it a couple times in the '80s. Like that, that's not standard behavior and when there is someone like that everybody's like holy shit she's not wearing white well, at Wimbledon well I've been told that apparently men are getting away with this all the time and that finally right. a woman did it and it, she was not allowed to so I assumed that it's just be, be running rampant just like dudes whipping their dicks out and breaking rackets over each other's heads and nobody cares <laughs> yeah that, that might not be tennis accurate. would be way better that way it would be I, I agree uh, moving along, uh, the researchers at the SETI, which is the Search for, for Extraterrestrial Intelligence uh, Institute, discovered unusual signals coming from outer space, Mr. Coughlin. They believe uh, we're getting signals from an alien galaxy um, about three billion light years away. Well, I guess I'm not going to win that office pool. Uh, They discovered the unusual signals when examining 400 terabytes of radio data from a dwarf galaxy. Um, Almost all artificial intelligence technology involves automating data analysis, combing through huge data sets to identify patterns or unusual occurrences. The signals they spotted are called fast radio bursts, FRBs. Uh, they are bright and quick pulses, which were first discovered in 2007 and are believed to come from distant galaxies, although it is not yet know what it's not yet known what causes them. But they're going to just say aliens because why not? The like, Nate, could be anything the, else. Could just very easily be natural radio waves from the universe because the universe <laughs> is pretty big. But eh, we're going to say ra- we're we the people at the whose job title actually says we search for extraterrestrial intelligence, believe that it's aliens. I don't know why we think we're looking for aliens, but... Last year, scientists at Harvard suggested that FRBs could result from energy leaks from powerful transmitters built by alien civilizations in order to send giant light sail ships on interstellar voyages. A light sail would use a tiny amount of pressure exerted by light to produce a small but constant acceleration, which allows a spacecraft to reach a great speed. The FRBs were detected in data collected by the Green Bank Telescope, part of the U.S. Radio Quiet Zone, where wireless communication signals are banned to prevent interference with the telescopes. I feel like this is like seeing the ripple in a lake on the shore and then saying, hey, that's evidence of uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Like, really, like, we think that this is evidence of an advanced civilization that built this kind of theoretical spaceship that we've never been able to replicate, and that this is, like, a byproduct of the fueling thing for the spaceship. Like, what? I'm sorry, what? You can't come up with anything better than that? That's your explanation? Not just, like, I don't know, maybe a, a star farted or something? No, no, no. Alien light ship sails doing it. I, I think they're out there. Me too, but I don't think this is how we discover them. Hashtag how sad me would too. That, how sad would that be? Like, you would assume the first contact between us and like an alien civilization would be maybe the biggest, most important moment in the history of mankind. And instead, it was just like, hey, we think there's some uh, rumbling in the sky from a 
a light ship. Uh. Although, if they if that's accurate, how 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 much did that dude nail that prediction? I mean, wow! Like they show up, they're like, "No, you totally got it right. That's exactly what that was. Very impressive." And then they then they all the aliens like, "He must be your leader," and we're like, eh, "Sure." Don't turn on your TV. Also, there's this thing called Twitter. We're sorry. (laughs) Authorities in eastern Ohio say a grocery store employee has been charged with felony theft for helping herself to deli ham for years. Uh, Tuscawaras County Sheriff Brian Hale tells the Columbus Dispatch that an eight-year employee of regional grocery chain Giant Eagle was charged Friday with stealing food estimated by the store to be worth $9,200. Wait, wh- store, where, where is this located? This is in Bolivar, Bolivar, Ohio. Oh, oh okay. Hmm. I, th- I thought you could say Bolivar, Boliv- Bolivia, whatever, the country. No. Oh, okay. This, this is, is American. Ohio, this, yes. This is, Eastern I, Ohio. I'm just checking. I want to make sure that they can be part of the eventual half-guarded uh, stolen food restaurant franchise. <laughs> The store's loss prevention manager received a tip that an employee had been eating three to five slices of ham nearly every day over eight years. Authorities say she also sometimes ate salami. Other details, including her name, weren't available. Um, but yeah, she's uh, going to jail, it sounds like. Isn't that a thing you do if you work at a deli? You just eat some of the food every once in a while? Don't you just... Grab a little bit of ham. It depends on the place. Apparently, uh, the giant eagle isn't the most generous with their uh, deli selections. Like, I, I like that they know that she's been doing it for a decade or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I understand that like, you want to be like, this is, and that's how come she owes us $10,000. To which I would just say, like, you guys didn't notice her eating ham for a decade. <laughs> like, she ate $10,000 worth of ham and nobody noticed. How is that it's only, Well, let's think about it. That'd be $1,000 a year. So it's like 100 bucks a month. Could that go missing in a big... In oh, a big exactly. Oh, I know. That's the thing. It's like three bucks a day. We're like, this is really... how? Who did all the legwork in investigating this thing? What junior also, detective is like, this is the gimmick I got. Like, he comes home. It's like, yeah. Like, is, are you okay? Like, I know sometimes you and your partner can get, get, get kind of dicey. I saw a training day. Is that what it's like for you, honey? Oh, man, this one chick, she just ate a lot of ham over a that, decade. That oh. has to be the retail price, too, not what the ham costs the supermarket. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, a couple slices of ham... That couldn't even cost like a buck. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, like, I'm trying to figure this out. Like jacking the price up on this poor lady. No, I'm pretty sure. Like if I go to the store, you can get like a, I don't know what a normal amount of ham is, a quarter pound. <laughs> like when you like, you know, you go there, you say I'll have I'll have some ham. That they, yeah. they they slice it for you. Like I don't know how much you get. Like it's only like three or four bucks. Right. That's, that's like a lot of ham. Like you can get like a week's worth of uh, lunch out of that. Mm. So how much was this chick eating every day? They only said three to four slices. They must have. She must have been eating the good ham, the high end shit. Some honey baked ham there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, will she go to jail for this? This is apparently a felony, Mister Coughlin. Uh, I hope not. <coughs> I mean, uh, you don't want to go to prison and be the guy like, "What are you in there for?" I eat some ham. It, it, did you kill a man at the same time? No, I just ate some ham. Like this is a crime. 
This is a story that if you told me somebody went to jail for eating ham, I'd be like, oh, this bitch would be a crazy story from the Muslim country. Nope. Ohio. <laughs> that is very true. Um, th- that video that um, Derek uh, Lewis posted with like those Muslim ladies and oh, the little the kids fuck? fighting. Wait, is that real? Do you it think? can't be What's- real. Okay, because there's a lot of different theories because I, I shared that video with uh, multiple people because uh, I found it disturbing for one and two, just odd. Um, essentially, it's on the side of this like busy road, I'm guessing, in Saudi, Saudi Arabia, yeah. probably. And, um, you know, they're covered head to toe, burkas, that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, like a fight breaks up, but there's two little kids and each lady is holding the kid. Then they like drop the kid and pick the kid up again and the kid falls and they're just like pounding on each other in the head. Really weird. And it like almost seems like it can't be real, but maybe it is. I don't know. It, it looks like some sort of like prank TV show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like the camera angle, the whole like, thing. Like what would you do with Jorge Quiones? Yeah, basically. Would you break up these Muslim women beating these kids and Fuck punching no. each other in the face? Fuck no. I would stand there. I would pull out a joint and I would enjoy the shit out of that moment. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's weird. Like I, I, my real reason why I, I, I said real reason. One of the reasons I think it's fake is that nobody does anything. Yeah. Like this is a, you're telling me it's a culture so repressive that women cannot show their eyes in public and yet if a gang of them get in a brawl on the highway nobody stops it what yeah the part with the little kid was the most disturbing because that kid got like dropped on the pavement like multiple times and then i had a friend who like suggested that they thought it was a a trained monkey (laughs) like what the hell really good i I admit that uh us westerners don't always know as much as we need to about the rest of the world but i will be really surprised if uh, monkeys are a normal pet in Saudi Arabia. Well, the other joke that was, it was probably Florida anyways. That one surprised me. <laughs> if this is like somewhere between like Jacksonville and Orlando or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they were explained why nobody stopped it. City officials say a woman in Bridgeport, Connecticut is injured after she thought she was lighting a candle when it was actually a quarter stick of dynamite. As a result, they say her hands received a significant amount of damage and she was taken to the hospital. Uh, authorities say a second device was found inside the home in Bridgeport. As a precaution, officials say homes on either side of the house were evacuated and that they say the house and the surrounding area were searched. I mean, okay. First of all, how do you hurt your hand in doing this? I understand that, like, you'd be surprised because you thought it was a candle and it was a bomb. But even, like, a candle, like, you light it and you put it down. You don't hold it. Like, I feel like this only damaged your hand if you just held it the whole time. Like, if just let go of the thing that's on fire. That's, like, the first rule of life, really. If it's on fire, don't hold on to it. I don't understand how... I guess it was dark in the house and she needed a candle or whatever. I think this is for a birthday cake. <laughs> That's even better. That is, but, okay, I could, I, could, I could see now you'd be holding the candle. If it was dark, you're holding like, you know, like your uh, old crotch, Cratchit or whatever, Bob Cratchit, like your old Cratchit. Uncle's, 
Bob's crash, you know, and Scrooge and all that. Like you're holding your candle. That's some sort of dick. Anything from Dickens. Anything Dickens wrote, everybody did everything with candles. So, okay. Uh, I'm, she gets a pass. But why would you leave your dynamite out near where you keep your candles? Well, where, never, else, where else would you I've put your I've never candles? worked with dynamite in my life. So then who um, are you to judge? But I feel like I would keep it somewhere. Not you East Coast liberals, and all you want to do is control how us good people in the Midwest protect ourselves. How dare you? I'm saying what I would do. We can keep I, I our keep weapons. I dynamite first. next to my candles. It seems like something could go wrong. You probably wouldn't keep your gun on your nightstand either, would you? <laughs> loaded. You wouldn't leave a loaded gun <laughs> in your car. On. No, no, you coward. <laughs> keep it under my pillow. I do like that they... Uh, and I understand probably why, but the idea that they evacuated all the surrounding houses when they brought out like the second device, you imagine there's probably like some mom doing something like she got like some troublesome emo goth, like 14 year old punk son. And like he, he's like left his stuff around and he comes home from school and he sees that the entire neighborhood has been evacuated because of his M80s. <laughs> It is pretty good. There's cops like he was gonna, everywhere he, up he was, and down the street. He was gonna they blow said they up found some another, they found gonna, another device or something. They went to blow up some mailboxes and instead fucking uh, Homeland Security shows up. <laughs> I mean, okay, by the way, you can tell these people must be white. Because, How can you tell? Because if they were brown, they Homeland Security definitely would have shown up. Let's see. It's weird. I don't get a picture of this lady. Also, Usually they'd also, like to show the picture of them all disheveled, but she did have to go to the hospital, so they probably were more concerned with her blown off limbs than getting a picture of her. Fireworks are a white person thing, also. You just Not don't. True. Like, maybe I don't, Mexicans might, because Mexicans throw parties, but uh, yeah, black people don't fuck around with fireworks. Are fireworks legal in Illinois? I'm not sure. It's funny because they're not obviously in Massachusetts. We're not allowed to do anything. I don't think, cool no, here. they're not. They're not legal here. Not yeah. Legal. No, um, in the, Indiana, they are. It's funny because in some states they are obviously, but um, I, I think it's in South Carolina. There's this fireworks store called South of the Border. And like you start seeing signs for it, like when you hit Maryland or something, they're like 472 miles until south of the border. And you keep seeing these signs over and over. And then you get there and it's like this shitty rundown place of like fire, like shitty fireworks <laughs> that your kids are going to blow their hands off with. But it's like such a good gimmick because if you ever make that drive down to Florida, like if you're going to Disney or something, I made that trip with my family twice as a kid. I remember that vividly south of the border. We got to get fireworks. We got to stop and see it. And then I remember being there and it was just like smelly and gross and not what you had expected after seeing these signs over and over again for literally a thousand miles. Hey, McDonald's has made billions off of the same exact principle. Lots of advertising, <laughs> substandard product. Uh, the novelist who wrote uh, how to murder your husband has been charged with murdering her husband. Nancy Oops. Crampton Brophy seemed to have a knack for writing about the murder of spouses. The Portland, Oregon based romance novelist wrote books about relationships that were wrong, but never felt so right. Often featuring bare chested men on the cover In the wrong cop. She wrote about a woman who spent every day of her marriage fantasizing about killing her husband. 
and the wrong husband, a woman tried to flee an abusive husband by faking her own death. And in How to Murder Your Husband, an essay Crampton Brophy wrote about how to get away with it. Uh, and now she is being charged. Um, she was arrested September 5th on charges of murdering her husband with a gun and unlawful use of a weapon in the death of her husband, Daniel Brophy, according to Portland Police Bureau. She was arraigned Thursday, appearing in blue inmate clothing and ordered jailed without bail court records show she's not filed a plea and her attorney declined to comment when contacted by the washington post it's gonna be a real that's a real tough one like if you're a defense attorney you're getting handed this case and you're looking at it you're going well i mean she's she's a woman women are sympathetic defendants she's a writer very empathetic, good with her words, can express herself, could probably really paint a picture to the jury of the uh, circumstances surrounding why she would be driven to killing her husband. Or they could just read the book where she told them what she was going to do. Like that's, that's kind of like, uh, like a OJ. If he was famous for, for, write, for uh, being an actor in movies about killing your wife and her lover with a knife and then running away in a Bronco. Be like, huh. Yeah, I think we know who did this one. Do you remember after the murders, like he wrote a book where he said uh, how it. how I would do it if if I did it if I if did it this I did is it. the way I would yeah yeah it's odd. Uh, I hope he rots in hell and people should stop giving him any attention. Sorry, Nancy Brophy, this woman uh, actually had a Facebook post from seven years ago that uh, says "busy day for me." Blogging about how to murder your husband. You know, I have a lot of Facebook posts, which, which a lot of them basically have some sort of meta commentary where I write things sometimes thinking this would be kind of funny if a jury read it. <laughs> Profi's mother, Karen, said it's a big shock. Yeah, a big shock. We're not going to make any other statements. Wouldn't it be weird if like you're because this lady looked like she was like in her 60s or something like, like an older lady. Imagine if you're a 50-year-old woman who's never been arrested for anything in your life. You got accused of murdering somebody, and your family went, yeah, we kind of were waiting for it. I don't know how it didn't happen yet. I mean, really. We were kind of a little negligent on this one. The killing puzzled police and those close to Dan Daniel Brophy from the start. Brophy, a 63-year-old chef, was fatally shot at his workplace at the Oregon Culinary Institute on the morning of June 2nd. Students were just beginning to file into the building for class when they found him bleeding in the kitchen. Police had no description of the suspect. One day later, Crampton Brophy wrote an emotional post on Facebook. For my Facebook friends and family, I have sad news to relate. My husband and best friend, Chef Dan Brophy, was killed yesterday morning. For those of you who are close to me and feel this deserved a phone call, you are right. But I'm struggling to make sense of this right now. Well, she's only got one phone call to make, so that's not fair to expect her to use it on you. <laughs> she wasn't in jail yet. Yeah, but she knew it was coming. <laughs> like, when, when that detective finally said to himself, I wonder if it's her, he must have really been like, Come on. She wrote something called How to Murder Your Husband. Nobody's this stupid. Hundreds of people came to celebrate and mourn him at a candlelight vigil held outside the Oregon Culinary Institute on June 4th. Crampton Brophy came as well. 
But as the weeks went on, neighbors told the Oregonian something seemed off about Crampton Brophy. Don McConnell, her neighbor of six years, told the Oregonian that earlier this summer he had a conversation with Crampton Brophy about her husband's death, wondering what the motive could have possibly been in the tragedy. I said, the police, are the police keeping in touch with you? She said, no, I'm a suspect. <laughs> I oh, thought she must oh, have been one tough oh, see, see, to handle see, you, that the way you thought she it was, You thought something was weird when she said, I'm a suspect in his murder. This a real, that was a real good witness, real, really on top of things there. Uh, the couple have been married for 27 years. They had a fabulous garden in their backyard where chickens and turkeys roamed. Oh, do they have any kids? I think they were probably too old at that point. Maybe. No. Well, if they've been married for 27 years, they could have children at one point during all that. Right. Uh, I don't have that information yet. This is actually a long article. This is in the Washington Post. Oh, so they, it might be all fake yeah. news. Yeah, they, they, they write long stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Uh, probably a bad person. I like the yeah. I like the neighbors all like can be. I like this all like we began to suspect something because she was somebody was off she was she was acting kind of kind of funny. Well, her husband had just been murdered. How would she supposed to act? Like my best like my best friend I've mentioned like her her father passed away recently it was very tragic and sudden, and her mom's in a mess and sometimes it's, it's kind of everybody's kind of been like I don't really know how you're supposed to react in this situation like if your husband got murdered and he's like a a, a chef. Which is, you know, makes it an extra, like, horrible thing to endure because they're such prized members of society. I don't know why people think she'd be normal about this. Yeah, murderers um, can seem off sometimes, I bet. Yeah, but sometimes you never know. They could, you could just be talking to them for hours on end every week and you would have no idea. Uh, this is a good one. There, there's a couple things we need to discuss here, but we'll start here. Are you breaking uh, up rat, with me? No, Rat and Brock wipe ninety million dollars off chain's value. At hot pot restaurants in China, most of the ingredients are relatively inexpensive. Customers dip pieces of raw meat and I've vegetables. It. Love it! Wow, you're so adventurous. It was the only way I could get meat when I was in Hong Kong. Do you want to um, talk about the time you had mussels? That was really good. Customers dip pieces of raw meat and vegetables into a big vat of simmering broth until everything cooks and bubbles to the surface. For one Chinese restaurant chain, however, an item found by a customer at one of its outlets has proved to be particularly costly. A rat. A video of a small dead rat boiling gelatinous and with its stunned arms outstretched fished out of a vat of bubbling broth has shocked China and sent shares of a popular restaurant chain plummeting. The rat was found last week at a branch of the chain Shabu Shabu in Weifang, a city in the eastern province of Shandong. A local newspaper reported the incident on Friday and video footage of the customer picking the rat out with chopsticks circulated on Chinese social media all weekend. Some big chopsticks or small rat. Yeah, I can't do chopsticks. They're, I'm not coordinated enough. Uh, I, I was okay with them for a while. I, I, I wouldn't do them anymore. Nowadays, I just use a fork. Like I, yeah. I know I could use chopsticks, but my brain's just like, 
I am too old to feel shame. I'm just going to eat however's quickest for me because I'm an American. I want to get this food in me. And chopsticks mm-hmm. just delay the inevitable. Um, I don't also believe this story because I'm supposed to really believe that in China, people are like, oh, not rat. Oh, my gosh. We would never eat rat. Because they eat dogs and stuff. Also, it's China. They don't have any food. They'll take anything they can get. They're poor. Well, apparently, this is a pretty big chain. Um, their stock fell 12.5%, uh, dropping to the lowest point in nearly a year. And all the discovery of the rat had knocked about $190 million off the market value of the business, which is publicly traded in Hong Kong. The company's shares recovered somewhat on Wednesday, gaining around 3%. There is pictures of this thing, and it doesn't even look like the hair must have been cooked right off it or something because it's like bald, and it's really gross looking. It's weird that communist China has companies that you can buy in a stock market. And Are these... they? They're they're kind of. I don't know. Isn't there some capital? I mean, they they've got like billionaires and shit in China. Yeah, no, they, they don't. But it's all commies. Communists, because <laughs> even communist countries, they always have somebody running stuff, and that guy's just got all the power. Like, like they, like China's been better at ingratiating themselves to the West, but they too shall fall, as all countries do before America's might. Uh, though hot pot has gained in popularity in recent years, customers across China have complained about questionable hygiene standards at hot pot chains, particularly over restaurants reusing hot pot broth with new customers. Yeah, I mean, I will be honest. The number of times I've had, and I don't know if I had like hot pot chain hot pot to me was just something that was called i don't know sure um i never felt like it was sanitary at all like the whole every time i ate that i was just like yeah all right but it was kind of like one of those when in rome situations like i'm in hong kong and this is food and like okay that's meat i'll eat that let's go for it although i remember um they tried to serve me pigeon pigeon was on the menu so i don't know why rat is like uh, okay, they're serving pigeon in Hong Kong. I feel like rat in the middle in China is fine. Yeah, I, I think pigeon like is like the same thing as squab. Squab's kind of gross, um, but uh, I the the thing with that hot pot stuff is what, whatever you're cooking the stuff in, it's so freaking hot it would really pretty much kill anything anyway. You know what I mean? That's what they told um, me, but. I mean, that's kind of true. Uh, I mean, that, that's part of the whole point of cooking cooking anything, really, whether it's steak or whatever. You're getting it hot enough that it would kill anything that could get you sick. But um, So th- there's this website called humanfuckery.com where I've been finding a lot of good stories lately. Huh. I don't know how to shut this music off. I don't even know how I came across this. But uh, the headline reads, woman allegedly rips out victim's colostomy bag, hits him with iron over exorcism money. That's the headline. Uh, I like that it's allegedly, and I understand why it's allegedly, but what if she didn't do it? Right. Uh, Bertha, uh, this is in California. Um, Bertha Osejo showed up at the victim's house Around 5 p.m. on Thursday, she asked the man for $5,000 to go to Mexico and have an exorcism, but became angry when the victim wouldn't hand over the money. 
That's when Oseho pulled out the victim's colossing knee bag and tried to hit him with an iron. She even broke windows in the man's house, but fled before the deputies arrived. They were able to track her down and arrested her. Did See, I, at least in my head, have decided that she didn't know who this guy was. That she just knocked on a random stranger's door, asked for $5,000 so she could go to Mexico and have an exorcism. And when they said no, she said, well, fuck you, and ripped out his colostomy bag. Because <laughs> I'll be honest, like, even if she knows the guy, it's still pretty crazy. But she doesn't know the guy, it's really crazy. Also, this is Florida, right? California. Oh. Like, clearly this woman's crazy. She, like, believes that going to Mexico and having an exorcism is a good idea. Um, but just the colostomy bag, she found an iron somewhere in the house and tried to hit him with it. Like, if I went into somebody's house and asked for $5,000, but like, no, get the fuck out of here. My next reaction would be to hit him with an iron. How's that going to help you get the $5,000? And I know what your response is going to be at this point, that there were probably drugs involved. It feels like meth. <laughs> I mean, first of all, if I see somebody with a colostomy bag, I take five steps back. I ain't going near a human being with a colostomy bag, let alone touching the bag, let alone ripping it out. Oh, my gosh. That's disgusting. She doesn't really, sound pleasant. She really does need some sort of like she needs a hot pot to clean herself. Uh, also on humanfuckery.com, thousands oak, Thousand Oaks man arrested after allegedly pouring large amount of urine over neighbor's SUV. After urine was poured on an SUV in Thousand Oaks, authorities arrested a man suspected of putting the urine there and on a front doormat. Police said Friday a large amount of urine was poured over the vehicle and a front doormat belonging to the same person before authorities responded to the scene. Uh, the vandalized SUV was in the 2800 block of Amberwood place when police officers were called there. The victim of the vandalism, who police described as elderly, had surveillance video at his home that helped lead investigators to identifying James Eddie Pearson as the suspect. Pearson has since been arrested on suspicion of felony vandalism and elder abuse. The victim said the urine got into the interior of his SUV, making it impossible to remove all of the bodily fluid, and leaving about $2,000 in damage. He also told officers that the man had poured urine on the front doormat of his home in Thousand Oaks. I love anything that involves a grudge that simmers so long you have time to collect your urine. If, like, if it was just like he pissed on his car, I'd totally get that. Like I've been angry enough to be like, Fuck this, I'll just whip it out and pee on the guy's car. But to collect your urine so that you could dump it on multiple places and you've done it so frequently that the guy knew to set up a camera to catch you doing it, that's some real, that's, uh, that old man probably really deserved it. According to one of his neighbors, Don Palmer, the victim's home has been getting vandalized for some time and he's been tormented over years. It's unclear what kind of prior harassment or vandalism Palmer is referring to, but he said it was enough for the victim to purchase a ring surveillance camera to catch the person behind it. That video released by the Ventura County Sheriff's Office shows a man pouring a container of brownish yellow liquid over the front end of a white SUV. People should not have to live like that in any community, but especially here in Thousand Oaks, Palmer said. I mean, good fences make good neighbors. 
They don't want to have any issues. They want to live in peace. It's just a shame what's been going on. Pearson was taken into custody after detectives searched, served a search warrant at his home on Thursday. There, the investigators found evidence linking him to the crimes and indicating he uses methamphetamine, according to police. Oh, it's, you know, America's going to have a lot more crazy crimes in the future. It is all going to be because of meth. Like, it's, it's weird that Europe doesn't have the meth issue from what I understand. They're missing hmm. out. I feel like it's coming, though, with the... I don't know why, but I get the impression that all the uh, migrants will bring meth. I don't, I don't know why I would assume that they're doing meth in Islamic countries. That doesn't make any sense. But they're poor, and I assume poor people do meth. Are you familiar with swirlies? Like putting someone's head in a toilet? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, a Facebook video showing a Leesburg mother. This is in Florida. Pushing her son's head into a toilet got the attention of many people. So many, she said Sunday, that police had to sit outside her house Saturday night because of the threats she was receiving. Someone even came to Caitlin Wolf's home angry about the video, she told News 6. But the video isn't what it looks like, Wolf said. In the clip, the hair of Wolf's three-year-old son appears to be swirling in the toilet and the boy is crying. Sounds like he's like hysterically crying, but he's not, Wolf said. He's crying and he's laughing at the same time. After the video was done, he said, let's do it again. Oh. Um, don't put videos of, on the internet of you trying to put your, head, your kid's head in a toilet. People re- react the wrong way to that. If I'm telling you don't do it, really just don't. You, you got to see the video. This it's so stupid. Like she's got the kid's arms pinned behind his back and is like dangling him into the toilet, and the kid's like screaming, and somebody's videotaping it, and they like put it up on Facebook. I'm like, uh, again, really there's probably stupid. drugs involved, but I, I have a hard time like getting into that mindset because I. Try not to be on drugs when I have kids, but whatever. Um, yeah, don't put that online because you're going to get death threats. People don't like when you abuse your children and take video of it and post it for the world to see. Shit. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time in, uh, in the history of the world, especially in the West here, coming up with and articulating the need and the importance of uh, privacy only for this for a generation the first chance they got to be like we're going to put everything on the internet (laughs) everything nothing is private there is no privacy does not exist as a concept anymore we are at the point where people are trying to flush their children down a toilet and they're putting on the internet (laughs) the mom said uh, the video wasn't intended for Facebook. Uh, she sent it to someone for a laugh, but it wasn't posted online. Now she's told News 6 it's being taken out of contest. So she didn't want it out there, but her friend posted it, and now her life is in shambles. Well, again, you try to drown your kid in a river of shit, so that's on you, lady. Um, I think that does it for this week, where we're getting low on time here. Yes, we are. All righty. Well, uh, thank you for listening to MMA and stuff on halfguarded.com. My name is Matt. That was Michael Coughlin. Again, uh, you can get this show everywhere. I'm telling you, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can get this show now. It's MMA and the and sign. What do you call that thing, Coughlin? Ampersand. 
ampersand. Yep. Wow. And stuff. Talk to you next week. Bye.